I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gabby Roslin Podcast. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Roslin Podcast with me, That Gabby Roslin. Uh, this week on the show, we have none other than the wonderful Robbie Williams, Stay listening if you would like to find out what makes him laugh, falling down manholes, and how he loves to walk everywhere. Plus, we chat about his podcast, Staying at Home with the Williamses. Oh, my darling, how are you? Uh, Gabby, I'm really, really good. Really, really good. How are you doing? I'm really okay. I just did the weirdest thing. I went down a rabbit hole of us working together and the first clip I found was 31 years ago. 31 years ago? 1989. No, it can't have been. It was. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Well, it said 1989, 1990 on the clip. Okay, 1990, because in 1989, I was still at school. I auditioned for Take That. Uh, uh, in 89, didn't you? Maybe maybe it was 89. Yeah, but what was oh the clip? What was goodness. the clip? You on Motormouth with the guys. No, I reckon, I reckon that was more like 91, 92. But still, it's a long, long time ago. Oh, my God. You were 15. Yeah. 16, 16 or something. 16, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and just I, I love you as much today as I do then. Oh, bless I, you, I did babe. then. Um, do you know what? It's real. Every time I see you, I think that I've seen you happier than I've ever seen you before. And then each time I get that you're even happier than I thought you were when you were happiest. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. I think it's been quite... A gradual thing, the road to just being content. And uh, it has many levels. And I, I appear to be at, um, I don't know, level level nine and a half. I'm looking forward to it. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. I got the uh, certificate through the door a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and then. Uh, what colour is it? What colour is the certificate? It, it's mauve. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm liking mauve. Yeah. I didn't think you were going to go there, but we'll go with mauve. Okay. okay. Before before we launch into uh, any any of my any of my stuff, what are you? What is this? What are you doing? Tell me. Talk me. Brand brand new podcast. So it's that Gabby Rosin podcast. Because when people look for podcasts, they always go, "Oh, have you heard that Gabby Rosin podcast? Mm-hmm. Or that Have you heard that podcast? Yeah. And uh, we've got literally straight away. You said yes straight away. Dame Judy, who I've already interviewed, said yes. David Tennant, Richard E. Grant, 
just the lovely wow. people and it's all about positivity happiness and joy because and entertainment because that's what you're about that's what I'm about and I think that's what people need they really really do well also I would I would like to put a, put a feather put a but what, what do you say put a feather in your pipe is that is that is that what you say in your cap, cap? <laughs> yes <laughs> I like to put. You can a, feather my pipe. Yeah, I like to put a feather in your pipe. I like to put a feather. Do you know? It's like you've reached out to people, and that list of people that have all said yes. That says a lot about you, Gabby. Well, I think it's just that people want a bit of fun and happiness. I really do. And they like you. Take take that. Take that. Um, into your heart I'm, I'm, and people have gone yeah, but yeah. I can't I know it's it, I, it's so weird isn't oh, it isn't it weird I can't take a compliment and I can't take people saying nice things and I know you can't either well, it's, we're not allowed you sort of get embarrassed don't you yeah, what is that I can remember when I went um, to rehab for the first time when I was 21 or 22 and they said right Write out a list of negative things about you. And I was like, I am so good at this. <laughs> I, 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 wrote, I, I could have just carried on and carried on and carried on and carried on into 30, 40, 50 things. And then they said, write positive things about you. You know what? I couldn't think of one. Wow. I mean, things wow. have changed. Things have changed since then, but it's interesting. And I'm wondering... If the lack of being able to take a compliment is a British thing or if it's a worldwide thing, like we seem to put a shield up and bat them away. What I used to do when people gave me compliments after shows and stuff was give them a list of why it wasn't a good show, why I wasn't a good singer and why I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You know, it's like, ah, let me tell you about me. I'm, I'm, I'm awful. And somebody pointed it out to me that I was doing it. It was a long time ago. And they said, and it was a mentor of mine. And he said, when somebody says, well done, that was a great show, just say thank you. And uh, I did. I just started to say thank you. And I didn't have to put out a negative of myself with the thanks I just took it and said thank you very much you know just that simple thing changed a lot of things for me the ability gratitude just gratitude that there may yeah. be there may be room to receive the praise that is being given to me you know and um it it saved me a lot of after shows, seeing five or six different people telling them why I was rubbish that evening, it stopped me from, uh, I don't know, it's, it's like ego in reverse, I suppose, but still ego. Do you know what's so incredible? So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was your reaction uh, when I've seen you after gigs. So years ago, you were at Hammersmith and I came to see you at Hammersmith and afterwards you went, oh my God, Gabby, that was really shit and I did this and I did this. And I, and I remember saying to you, are you insane? That was amazing. You are the showman that you know you are and all of this. And then, you know, years and years later, lucky enough to see you in Italy a couple of years ago. And afterwards, you were buzzing and elated and we were texting and I just said you were fantastic. And he, you said... Thank you. And I thought, oh, what a difference. And I, oh, wow. So I you noticed. Honestly noticed it. Oh, okay. Well, well, that, um, that just made me, I don't know what that made, uh, that, 
that just gave me goosebumps, actually, that it, it was a thing that you noticed about me and you noticed the change. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know, that just made me feel odd in the nicest way. Good, I'm pleased it was in the nice way. Because, I mean, I remember when we, because uh, you co-hosted The Big Breakfast with me, and one day, we always said we'd do TV again, but um, uh, but television was a natural place for you. And there were these two other guys, I think their names are Ant and Deck. I can't remember, I don't know what happened to them. Yeah. But uh, they also came on The Big Breakfast, and I and I was going on and on at them about becoming presenters. And then you were on, and, and I said to you, you've got to do presenting. And you were sort of, you were... Well, maybe one day, maybe one day. And I said, the thing is, you're an entertainer. And I think that you know that now, don't you? You've accepted that that's what you are. You are an entertainer on stage when you do your singing. Of course you are. You've always done that. And I think obviously you get it from lovely Peter. How is Peter, your dad? Do you know what? He's on really good form, my father. My my dad, for the listeners out there, he won his round on uh, New Faces in 1974. My dad's a comedian and a singer and an entertainer. And unfortunately, he's got Parkinson's and, know. You, you know, he's got, he's, he's, do you know what? In himself, he's amazing. And the only time that you can tell that he's really got anything at all is when he holds the phone on FaceTime in the wrong hand and it's just like shaking. And I'm like, Dad, Dad, put the phone in the other hand. And then <laughs> then it's fine. And then you kind of like, there you go. He, um, as it stands, is on really, really good form. I've always known that I was an entertainer. And do you know, it's actually Ant and Deck that made me embrace exactly what I the the essence of what I do on stage because when I was 16 I was really into hip-hop and wanted to be this and then indie music happened and I wanted to be that and then you've got like Radiohead and you've got Oasis and you want to be cool and you want to be cerebral and you want to be lyrically you want to do this and you want to move people in this way and all that happened was I just came on stage with these massive jazz hands and couldn't help the fact that I was um, like modern cabaret. People actually see that word cabaret as a, as a bad word. I don't. I was brought... Oh, no. Uh, yes, I, I, I agree with you. Because I, I wanted to call my... I got a residency in, in Vegas and I wanted to call uh, my... Um, I mean, it was a, not so humble, but world-class cabaret. And the people in Vegas said, yeah, don't call it that because the word cabaret is deemed to be like old fashioned and, um, you know, naff. And I'm like, well, I am old fashioned and naff. <laughs> that's, that's my gig. You know, that's what I do. And I, I embrace that. But when I saw Ant and Deck and how they worked at eight o'clock on Saturday night and the joy that they bring people and the seriousness with which they took entertaining people in the way that I used to love when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 with my grandma having a crisp sandwich watching Saturday night television and wishing that I was in that box doing what they were doing. I went back to the essence of actually what I was without the pretensions of who I thought I had to be when I was a teenager. And who I am 
is um, I'm not saying I'm as great as these people, but who I am, the essence of what I am, is Tommy Cooper, Morecambe and Wise, the two Ronnies, Kenny Everett. You know, that's yeah. that. Yeah. That's what I want to embody and that's what I want to mean to people. And that's what I can do because that's the skill that I have got and I enjoy. But that that's what you didn't want to do for a while because you were fighting against it. And there's a lot of us who do that. We just fight against because we want to be in the cool gang or yeah. we want to be seen to do this or seen to do that. And now you're just going, hold on a minute. This is me. This, these are my roots, and this is what I want to do. So that's what you're going to do, though, because I keep reading everywhere and hearing on your podcast as well with your lovely wife um, that you're going to be doing telly. You're coming back to do Saturday night telly. Um, yes, I don't know if it necessarily will be Saturday night or what night it will be or what time it will be, but yeah, I am coming back to do TV and I'm coming to do film. Um, film. Yeah. Acting, with your acting hat on? With my acting hat on. Yeah, this is all. Oh, my word. What? What? Tell me. Um, I can't say right now. Um, Tease it. Go and tease a little bit. uh, Well, it's... I don't want to get the cart before the horse. Okay. there is something. There's something happening next year where I'm venturing into um, another area of the entertainment industry where I will be putting a feather in my pipe. I'll be putting Yes I'll put, be putting more feathers in my pipe. But you just fill that pipe <laughs> with feathers. By the way, can I can I let everybody know what I've been doing this morning so they can understand why I'm still sort of in a malaise. So I um it's my daughter, Theodora's Teddy's uh eighth birthday today. Happy birthday, Teddy. Oh she's Oh, she's so she's so glorious. I, I I just look at you with kids. Look at you with kids. Look at me the with look said, at look at me with four oh my kids. God. I know four children. You used to say, you know what, Gab? I'm never going to settle down. I'm never going to have kids. Oh, and I kept telling you you would be the best dad, and I bet you are the best dad. Oh, I, do you know, um, I do all right. They think I'm the best dad, but they haven't experienced anybody else being it. Yeah, but of course you're the best dad to them. Now, tell us about Teddy's birthday. What have you got organised? Uh, okay, so I woke up. Extra, extra early. And you know when you wake up extra, extra early and you're, you're kind of vulnerable and you don't have your your sort of protection against foods that you wouldn't normally eat and then you are presented with a bunch of foods you wouldn't normally eat that is for <laughs> children. You know what I'm saying? Like? Yeah, go, go for it. What have you eaten this morning? Oh, my God. I've had these... I've... <laughs> I woke up this morning and there was these croissants and pancakes yeah. and pano yeah. pano chocolat, right? But here's is the kicker: pano chocolat with the with the chocolate that goes through the middle and white chocolate in the middle. You've gone for all of those already. That's impressive. Well, I had no I had no resistance to all of these <laughs> things, but then what happens? It is I went up. Teddy went to school and then I crashed and then I fell asleep for three hours because my system isn't used to so much sugar. Anyway, I've just woken up and I'm coming to very, very slowly. So you'll have to excuse me, dear listener, if I don't sound with it. I'm not on drugs. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm on croissants. 
<laughs> There's the title. There's the title for your podcast. Oh, that, actually, that's in your next book as well. Mm. Where are you, Gabs? In, I'm in my bedroom, surrounded by uh, a fake fur coat, because I'm very anti-real fur, um, uh, cushions and everything all around me to try and make it all sound okay. Uh, Where, so you're actually in bed, are you? I am actually in bed and here I will stay for a little bit. How, has, has, the, has the first podcast come out or not? No, we have, we're launching with you and Judy Dench. You're wow. our launchers. What, yes. what great company. And why did you decide to do it? Because if one more person told me to do it, I thought I was going to scream. And I realised that actually what I like doing is talking to people. It's my favourite thing. And I'm so nosy and I'm fascinated by people, but I only want to speak to people who I really like, who enjoy life right. and who, who get life and get fun. I think that uh, I think it's going to be very successful. Bless you. What makes you laugh? Um, I put a wish list in with the universe every now and again um, for things that I want. You know, like, um, do you ever do that where you ask the universe yes. to stop? Yes, absolutely I do. Okay, yep. so in the last couple of weeks, actually... I was told, and I don't care if this is true or not, right? I don't care. I, I'm, I don't say that I believe, believe in this stuff. But somebody said a couple of weeks ago, the energies on the planet and the en energies in the cosmos tonight, it's very, very important that you ask the energy, that you ask the universe and the universe will manifest what you ask for. And right, people out there could listen to that and poo-poo it. And yes, okay, that's fine. I'm not saying I'm 100% in, but I'm saying, what have I got to lose, right? That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. It's like, I've got nothing to lose. So, and it's a nice thing to do. So me and Ida sat down and we burnt some sage and we lit some candles and we put our wish list into the universe. And the last thing that I always, always say when I'm putting these wish lists out there, whether it be New Year or just randomly through the year, is laughter. Whatever it is that I ask for, the, on the last on the list is laughter, laughter, laughter. And you know, it's like I, I get kind of, there's like, you, you watch Ricky Gervais, he laughs so much when he's doing interviewing, when he's interviewing people. And I can't, that's what I get jealous of these days. It's not like... But you laugh. Yeah. You laugh. I've seen you lose it, completely lose it. No, no, Giggling. no, no. I, I do. I do. I, I giggle a lot. But I, I don't know how school was for you. But have you laughed since you've left school? Have you laughed as much as you did at school? Yeah, probably more, actually. I was that very, very shy uh, person. Very shy. And, and, but I always giggled. I was always told off uh, for talking and giggling. Uh, and that that's my life. All I do is talk and giggle. I was smiling when you said about your wish list, because one of my things I always say to everybody is, you know, if you could wish for anything, wish for happiness and laughter in your life. And I really think that laughter and giggling and all of that, it's, it's the best medicine. When you're, when you're kids, giggle. Isn't that just, it's addictive. Okay, what properly makes me laugh? My wife's very funny. She makes me laugh. My my mother-in-law is like a character out of a sitcom that I get to just watch and be with. 
because Gwen is absolutely incredible. But it's like she took one too many acid in 1969 (laughs) and sort of didn't come back. Uh, And like (laughs) just watching her sort of interpret the world in the way that she does makes me laugh. I'm surrounded by people that um that make me laugh and uh, you know also that i can be dark with that i can have a dark dry sense of humor with um i think thing uh, not not much on the tv makes me laugh or in the way of films um not like it did in the olden days what makes you laugh uh people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> people walking into lampposts. Do you know what? I was going to say that. I was going to say that, but I thought that's just, <laughs> it's too, uh, I, I, I was going to, I was going to, you pe- people hurting themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people, people hurt. Yeah. Like, Ida can't get my, my fascination with, um, uh, what's it called? The, in America, it's called America's Funny Home Videos. Uh, oh, you see that all you've of been, that? Oh, you've I been know. framed. Yes, you've been framed. Yeah, you've been yes. framed. She like she'll oh. come in and she'll she'll <laughs> she'll just be doing whatever she's doing in the bedroom, and I've got you been framed on, and I'll be going. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Are you watching this again?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's, just, uh, it's people hurting themselves, and I like it. <laughs> I don't want them to break anything. No, but uh, Me you know, a slight injury is hilarious, including man. I've fallen down a manhole. I was." <laughs> I was out I was out jogging. This was in Stoke on Trent. This was in Stoke on Trent and I was in take that. And uh, I was jogging back from my nan's to our house and it was night time and I was just running past a spa, you know, the the uh, mini mart type places. And uh, there was roadworks going on, but nobody had put the so maybe somebody had moved the warning signs or the warning things around it. And I found myself running. And then I all of a sudden found myself underground. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then somebody that was just passing by just went, hey, you're all right. You're all right. And I went, yeah, how are you? <laughs> I was just like, yeah. And then I got out of the the ground and then carried on running. But I, I found I found that hilarious, and I I still find that hilarious. I actually yesterday I walked into a tree yesterday. I but properly walked into a tree, and this man shouted out, "Oh, are you okay?" And I was laughing. He went, "Oh, you're not." I went, "No, but I wish I'd filmed it because it would have made me laugh." And he thought I was the look he gave me is this what a nutter. Back in the day, there was this semi-rivalry that wasn't too intense between E17 and Take That. And Take That, we were leaving the Smash Hits Awards and there was a small group of E17 fans and they were doing the wanker sign and they were doing the fingers and they were following the the van down the road and they got clenched fists and they would die and and all of a sudden they weren't looking where they were going and one of them walked into a lamppost and knocked herself <laughs> out <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure she was fine 
but it was one of the most comical things that I've ever seen. You know, just, we disapprove of you, we hate you, and now I am unconscious. Uh-huh. You see, that's karma. That's karma. Dude, when you asked me what makes you laugh, the first thing that came into my mind was like people hurting themselves. And then I thought, I better not say that. And then I'm, so I'm glad you did. I remember going to the theatre once, <laughs> going to a panto, and one of the children fell off the front of the stage. <laughs> they were fine, but they were just a bit embarrassed. Yeah. And I laughed the whole time. My dad my dad used to work this cabaret room in Stoke-on-Trent called Jolly's, and it had a round stage. And then, and then, and then, he, nobody had told him, but they'd had the stage done, and it became a square stage. And, <laughs> and it's like you can, yeah, you can, you can see it. You, you know, with this mic with the lead and his sort of like velvety uh, burgundy jacket with his frilly shirt. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the and off the stage and into the audience. <laughs> Straight, like, like straight away. Just, just like walked onto the stage, walked straight to the front and then fell off. <laughs> Into, and everybody thought it was part of the act. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I should have worn waterproof mascara. I literally got black lines on my face. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um... Uh, the other thing that I really want to talk, because you talk about this a lot in interviews, are those sliding door moments. And I am fascinated by those in life. Yeah. I really am. Actually, that is one of my, um, one of my TV or film ideas, exactly that. But what acting-wise, would you like to, to do a sliding doors acting thing? Yeah, I've created the concept of, oh, wow. of where I would have gone, who I would have been, and what would happen to me. And uh, I'm very, very excited about it. But there's, there's other things happening, too, 
that um, I'm very, very excited about. Can't say much about them either because, you know, then the press pick up on them and I let too much out of the bag. I think the press had me doing my own chat show or something a few months ago. Oh, they probably had you doing everything. They, they hang on your every word. And actually, that was very interesting The um, in your last, I think it was your last podcast with Ada, um, who I've never met and I completely adore. I oh, think bless she's you. Thank you. adorable. Um, but you were talking about being able to go out with a mask on. And I remember from years ago, you just it, you that you just wanted to be anonymous for a moment. And you, it's not that you you love being what you do and doing what you do and people knowing you and all that, but being anonymous. And now masks are making you anonymous. Does going out feel different? Yeah, it, it it does. You know, like in COVID, I've been in the public way more than I ever have been because um, I'm in disguise. Um, uh, the thing is about that sort of like losing your privacy and becoming this monumental, huge thing um, out the blue, unexpected. You fight with it. You 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 don't accept. And you can't accept that a few things have been stripped away from you. And as soon as you do accept that those things are gone and then you deal with it in a different way, the happier you will become. But it took me a while to sort of like grieve normality going. And and I know that sounds strong, but that's how it felt for me. Grieve normality going and grieving privacy going Took took a while. Plus, the intense light that shone on me for ten years, twelve years, whatever it was, the most intense light shifted, and it went on to other people. I, in two thousand and six, was just like, I, you know, I wanted to kill myself. I wanted to to end it. I wanted to not be on the planet. I didn't want to do my job. I thought my job was making me ill. In a way, it was, you know, my not my job itself, but the things that surround it. And I'm also very competitive. And I just thought, right, this is what I'm going to do, you fuckers. I'm going to not leave my house. And I'm not going to do my job. And for three years, I, I just, I bought this cashmere kaftan, a couple of them, from Morocco. And I sat and I ate honey Dijon crisps and Krispy Kremes, and I watched reality TV, and I put on about 40 pounds and grew a beard, and I just waited until the world had moved on. And then eventually it moved on. I came out the house and I was like, where is it? Where are all the paparazzi? (laughs) (laughs) Where? Fallas, fallas. And, And then, so my life became manageable because that uh, sort of, box office spotlight that was on me moved on to somewhere else and I enjoy this level of fame the other fame the the outstanding extreme olympic sort of da, 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 is you can't you can't live in it you can't you can't breathe in it and I would say you know find me a person that has achieved that level and survived unscathed and I, I don't think you can. You know, it's like I look at Ed Sheeran. I, I listen and I read a few of his interviews and I spot the bits where he's struggling with it. Ed looks like he just 
He's taken to it like a duck to water and it's not affecting him. But then he talks about his mental health issues and where he finds himself. And I'm thinking, oh, even Ed's going through it. Oh, right, okay. And I love Ed. He's, he's such a, a good lad. But can you think of anybody that's achieved that sort of Lady Gaga, Ed Sheeran, blah, blah kind of fame that's come out of it or gone through it unscathed and unaffected? Well, absolutely not, because I've interviewed so many people who have been, actually not that have been to the level that you had. You were scrutinised for your every step, your every beat, your every breath, whatever you did. And as you know, I was very protective over you. I, we were at places together and I would be like, right, you don't you dare, don't you dare. I didn't want anybody to do you any damage. I'm very protective over you, as I remember saying to your dad. And, but the scrutiny that you were, you were under was extreme, actually. I, it, was, it, it was beyond a lot of people and what they've ever coped with. It was extraordinary. And I think... If it were, if that were your time again now, I think in some ways it might be different. It was the beginning of the millennium. It was you'd gone through a lot of personal stuff, but it was extreme what you went through. I mean, it, it was extraordinary. I think I think Megan's going through it now. Actually, yeah. I think you know yeah. Harry and Megan are going through that sort of cruel scrutiny of anything that they say and i know they're they're chums yours and i I work with harry no no they're they're not like i I, i've met harry i've met harry briefly a couple of times very nice guy he's a good guy very nice guy guy. he's fun you know i've never met megan uh um but there is you know like i i used to be followed 24 hours a day with car fulls of people outside my house and then i used to go i always remember going past britney spears's house and bless her, there was pfft, anywhere between 10 to 20 cars just waiting for her to oh, leave her it's house. it's just awful. What is that about? I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is in human nature that allows some people the ability to gain in finances from doing that job. And I not, agree. And not, it's sociopathic, and not look at themselves and go... I'm being a, I'm being an awful human being here. I shouldn't be doing this. This is not this is not appropriate, you know. And when you see sort of like Britney Spears shaving all her hair off and then getting an umbrella and putting it through a window, you know, it's like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do yeah. that all of yeah. the time. And I used to spend lots of time sort of trying to talk to them and make them understand that what they were doing was unfair and what they would they didn't have to do what they were doing for a living you but know? it's the people that feed off them so there are a lot of people who are obsessed with celebrity i mean obsessed and so what they're doing is they're feeding that obsession they're giving those people the drugs that they crave which is anything about that celebrity and as you say you know what what britney went through and what you went through it should be illegal. I think I think things have changed a little bit since the Leveson inquiry. You know, I, I, I just noticed that my life has changed. And I, I tell you why my life has changed. is because with the press, they used to have people that worked in credit card companies. And they used to have people that worked in telephone companies. And they... So if you sort of 
pay a bill or book something for the future with your credit card or with whatever, they knew where you were going to be at exactly the time and where you were going to be. If you were oh, in the horrible. if you were in the furthest part of the world to get away from all of that to like to take yourself out to an island to get away with the privacy, you pay for it with a card. They're there before you get there. You know, so that's horrible. Yeah, no, it, it was. I, I just couldn't understand how it was happening every day, all day, and so now they know that they can't do that. They now know that there are consequences for their actions. What was is now not anymore, and it hasn't been for quite a while. Because that, that's another thing. There was a couple of things like the end of the end of the millennium, beginning of the millennium. Two things that you couldn't complain about. Being depressed, if you were successful, or the press. Because, you know, the, the fox was in charge of the hen house. And I remember watching panel shows and people talking about me or talking about other people that were successful but were struggling with their mental health. And I remember being shamed into a corner with... What have they got to be upset about and just pull your socks up? And Oh, you... no, no, no. That makes me so angry. People are so judgmental and I can't bear it. Yeah, we're, we, we're, we're all judge, judgmental in many, many ways. I would like to say that being in deep, deep pain has made me more empathic towards people's mental health struggles i was just stayed around long enough and i had a incredible career long enough to watch the temperature of how people receive mental illness issues is changed it's wonderful for me to see it that it's now becoming the hot topic and people are understanding it more than ever and that conversation has changed and i'm totally on board for it and that's kind of my i do this thing i do this thing called soccer aid for unicef which is fun and easy to do and you know a lot of money's been raised but the next it's thing the next yeah. thing that i want to do is i've got this mental health idea that um i want to put into the pipeline that will hopefully change a lot of people's lives. And I'm very, very excited about it. Well, actually, timing-wise, that's perfect because um, so many people have suffered with their mental health, through, especially through lockdown. I mean, it's done older people, younger people, everybody has been affected. What I'm understanding about myself, I've started to do, I've started to do a lot of walking. I'm doing... Hi, yes, yes, yes. So I'm cheering because yeah. I walk nine or ten miles a day. Me too. I love it. Yeah, me it's too. changed my life. Changed my life. Changed my life. So I... Good man. I, I, yes. You know, if I do 10,000 steps, I'm like, that's okay, but it's nowhere near enough. If I do 15,000, I'm like, that will do. If I get... Yes, if same. I, if yes. I get over 20,000, I'm like... Good, nice one that you've completed walking today. Yesterday, I like that. Yesterday, I did 20, 22,000 steps. Wow. And that's amazing. I, and do you know what? I sit in my bed after doing my walk and 
I'm buzzing. And, yes. And, and the wheels, the wheels of my mental health are, are, are oiled and everything's greased and everything's doing what it should be doing. And then I think to myself, inside of me is a person that naturally wants to isolate. Inside of me is a person that doesn't want to get out of bed. And for many, many years, I haven't gotten out of bed. I stick on the TV and I, you know, I let myself decay because of what my mental health was doing to me. Of course, having my wife, but having my children has sort of smoked me out of my bedroom and made me uh, go back into the world and try and find a way to deal with it. And I, I'm not saying because of the fame. I'm just saying because of my own mental health and what it wants. It's like I'm I'm a happy agoraphobic. I'm 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 sort of like agoraphobic light. I'm not scared to go out. I just don't want to. But when I walk, the walk in itself has forced me to look at this isolation issue and gone. I know why I felt so bad. I know yes. why. The world was a dark malaise for me. And it's because I stopped functioning as a human being and what we naturally need to do. And what we naturally need to do is get out of bed and go outside and be in the world. Completely, completely. I have to say Fitbit changed my life. I, I asked my husband for one about five years ago. I'm very happy doing my walking. Do you know what I, I, I also appreciate about walking? The aspect where because of sitting down and finding yourself in your bedroom and then piling on weight, which is what I've done, is then deep shame of now being an overweight person and then I go, right, I've got to do something about this very quickly. It's Friday and I'm full of shame. I feel fat. So therefore, if I beast myself over the next three or four days, all this fat will have gone and I will not feel the shame anymore. What happens when you do those extreme things is you hurt yourself. You either hurt yourself physically or you hurt yourself emotionally or both. What I'm finding with this walking thing I don't put myself into the hurt locker. Yes, it takes longer to achieve the goal of what I'm setting out to do. But I'm in no pain whilst doing it on my joints or my mind. And the outcome is still the same without the pain. And that kind of that saying that everybody knows, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. That's how I'm seeing my food and my fitness right now, is this is a long, slower game, and I'm winning. That's fantastic. Yeah. You, you've always been a, a, a man of extremes. Are you, do you think you're still a man of extremes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's always some addiction that my wife is dealing with with me. You know, that's um, she knows that if she gets me to stop doing one thing, I'll put the fire out with one hand and then another fire will come up by the other hand. And that's just me. I move from one addiction to the next. Is it addiction or is it obsession or is it both? It's both. 
Fortunately, my addiction and my obsession right now is walking. In the past, that would have been cocaine. So if I can be the addict that walks, my wife's okay with that. You know, um, I was addicted to social media this year and I had to give that up. Yeah. yeah. Do, have you have, have you been, you know, it's like I'm just looking at my phone, responding to people, getting hurt by what people are saying about me, then needing uh, my reply and then looking to see if they've come back online to see that I've replied to them. And, oh, God, I got rid of my passwords I still, I, I sort of like, I'm removed from looking at anything to do about me if I need something posting. Yes, but you've always done that. You used to, years ago, you used to Google yourself or whatever. Yeah. And and that is a, uh, it's a dangerous road to go down because um, you're very sensitive um, and very thoughtful. So you put those two things together and somebody says something negative about you and you take it to heart, even though they're just, it might be a bot or it might be just somebody with their own issue and it's their jealousy or whatever it is, but you take it to heart. And so, of course, I can see why you'd fall down that rabbit hole of social media craziness, if you want. You know, it, that's probably a good thing for you to say, right, I'm going to put it down. I'm yeah. not going to do it. Yeah, if you... Um abuse the privilege of whatever it is that you're doing sometimes most of the time especially with me you I can't I can't do moderation so whatever it is that is hurting me mentally I have to identify that and then take evasive action and I have the other thing that um, I remember so well about you, even with all of those um, dark moments and all of the darkness that you've, you speak so openly about, which is amazing because it does help lots of other people, is that you always, you always sort of deep down rather loved life. You know, you didn't, probably didn't want to admit it at some stages, but you sort of were open and there's a shyness and a sensitivity, as I said about you, but you seem to love life not the life necessarily that you were going through but you loved life i can't think of a better way to put it do you know what i love i love life and i love people and yeah. that that's the when my medicine was taken away from me it, what i've realized about myself is like i'm an introvert that's an extrovert professionally and um i have all of these blanks that I didn't know that I was needing them to be filled and I filled them with cocaine and I filled them with alcohol. Without cocaine and without alcohol, I liked people, but I couldn't really talk to them and I wanted to and I wanted to be gregarious and I wanted to be fun and eccentric and have things to say and have an opinion. But without those things, uh, without cocaine and without alcohol, I couldn't find myself. I put those things into my system and I was everything that I thought that I had to be. Of course I wasn't. Uh, and then it turned on itself and it at me. And then I had to get rid of those things that were my medicine um, that I was medicating with. And then I was left with this introverted shell of a person that uh, had abused himself and uh, was mentally ill. And um, it's taken me a long, long time to battle social anxiety. 
and I, I, I want to just be carefree in company. But I, for, for years, and I'm talking maybe a couple of decades, I would just be with people and in my head I was thinking, I don't know what to say next. I don't know how to say it, how to achieve it, and I don't understand how to just have a conversation. And that's such a lonely place to be, such a lonely place to be. Yesterday, we were, I can't remember who we were with, but I've been out a few times and uh, my wife was talking to somebody and she's talking about me and she says, he says he's socially awkward, but he's such a butterfly socially. And I turned to her and I went, yeah, I need to readdress that. I'm not anymore. I don't feel that pain that I used to feel when I was amongst a bunch of people. I mean, I'm not 100% fixed, but I tell you what, anybody that's out there that's in themselves, that is struggling to understand how to cope without the outside world and outside influences and just being okay with people, it's taken me a long, long time, but I would suggest this, you know, if you're overweight and you're unhealthy, you go to the gym, you go in the gym, you do a workout, it's painful and it's hard. And then weeks pass by, months pass by, and you become fitter and you become healthier and it doesn't hurt as much. It's the same with the social aspect you got, You have to train, you have to go out there and do the thing that is painful. Do the thing that you least want to do the most. You've actually brought a tear to my eye. I always, I very openly talk about shyness and how, and I've, I've spoken to you privately about shyness. And as a teenager, I was so shy that I, I, I was crippled with shyness I couldn't open my mouth and I couldn't speak and then when people ask me to do strictly now I just go no because that shy teenager comes back and shyness is something that people do not talk about they don't discuss it's like you can't say that because oh that's just a thing it's a real thing it's a real thing and um a little bit of advice that I heard that I took with me it's like if somebody gives you an opportunity and you don't know how or you don't think you can do it, say yes and then learn how to do it later. And um, that's the same thing with the opportunities that come my way. Whilst I was in my imperial pomp, in my, you know, in the most glorious highest of highs with my professions, I was being offered so, so much stuff. And... I turned everything down and there was the reasons were twofold. Um, one was I enjoyed saying no with my ego. And the other one was I was incredibly shy and didn't think that I could do it. I just don't think people believe me when I say it because, you know, part, part of a way to combat that shyness and um, awkwardness and anxiety I have created a almost superhero-like shell that I inhabit when I get on stage. And um, so it's done me the world of good because if I didn't feel that way, I wouldn't have created this character or this personality that does what he does 
in a stadium full of people. Um, but it is a coping mechanism and it is a tool and it is a way to express myself, but it's not it's not who I am. I might be be becoming that person that isn't crippled by the shyness. I doubt, doubt the shyness will ever go away completely, but now I can walk with it calmly instead of it instead of it telling me to stay in bed. That's amazing. I mean, I have I get moments where it comes back where if I go to a, a house party with my husband, I I cannot let go of his hand and I'll just, because I, I don't drink and I used to think that having a drink when I got somewhere w- would relax me and it's fine and then I'd be chatting. I have to say I'm more chatty now since not drinking and going to parties than I was when I thought, oh, I'll have a drink because that'll be fine. But but the shyness comes back every so op- often and there's something inside me that goes, oh, you can do this, you can do this. I have to concentrate, you know. Sometimes when I'm amongst people, it can be free and easy. And then sometimes I have to have laser focus like a goalkeeper. You know, a goalkeeper comes off after 90 minutes. He's absolutely knackered. Why is that? He's just been standing there. Yeah, he's knackered because he's concentrated. Yeah. And it's like, I'm the same yes. sort of way at a party where I have to have laser focus on what we're talking about and how we're talking about it and how we are being. God, you're spot on. That's exactly what it is. Yes, which can, if you are somewhere for three hours, if you're doing that for three hours, you you know, it's, it's, it's a workout. So let's go back to Teddy because it's her birthday. What's she expecting for her birthday and what's she going to... Is she going to... Obviously, you can't do parties. I don't know what it's like where you are at the moment. Are you allowed uh, um, groups of kids? Um, no, we are not. Um, but what we are doing is taking her to a hotel this evening. And oh, how lovely. Having a, a meal uh, with this team A and team B. There's the two kids. One's Teddy's seven and Charlie's, well, Teddy's eight and Charlie's nearly six. So team A will be going to a hotel this evening and we will be having games and lovely, lovely food. Whilst Team B, Coco and Bo, <laughs> Coco is two years old, and Bo, who is nine months old, will be at the house being looked after. Look at you. You see, I'm going to say it again. All those years ago when it was, I'm not going to get married, I'm not going to have kids, you've now found the woman that is perfect for you, isn't she? My word. I mean, just seeing you talk about her. No, she 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 totally is. She's she's my best mate. But when I was when I was making that decision, I was making a sane decision. You know, people might because I said it openly in interview stuff. I'm not getting married and I'm not having kids. I think people could have viewed that as being a selfish thing. I actually was taking a grown up stance, and actually, I thought I was being. The, the grown-up driving the car instead of the petulant child in the back. And for somebody that is so shy, so introverted, so addicted to substances, why on earth would I inflict that on another human being? And how on earth would that person 
be able to raise other human beings. That was where I was coming from. It wasn't that I wanted to selfishly go and plunder around the world. I know that. I know know, that. that It was just just like, hey, listen, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm incapable of doing this. It wouldn't be fair. I'm just going to deal with what I know I have. And then Ida and then sliding doors. And here we are. And I think that's fantastic. And I will, you know what, Rob, I absolutely mean this from my heart. I, from afar, I will, I am the most overprotective friend of yours and I will be there to the bitter end because I think you're wonderful. I really do. I think oh, you're a Gabs, really good thanks, guy. thanks, darling. No, I'm I really incredibly, do. incredibly fond of you. You're a very, very, very good person with a massive, massive kind heart and hugely talented. Just say thank you. <laughs> oh, God, my God. Okay. Go on. Thank you. There, there you go. We are. Okay, good. Will you give Will you give your family big hugs from me, but especially your daddy, because you know I adore Peter. Will you give yeah. him a big kiss from me, darling? I will do. All and right. I, I shall see you uh, down the hallways of the entertainment industry. Good luck with your podcast. Good luck you. with your health. And good luck with laughter. May you be overwhelmed with laughter for the rest of your life. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up on the next episode, Celia Imri and Himesh Patel. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Please press the subscribe button and it will come straight to your phone on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you choose to listen. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.